This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here from CBSSports.com. You are listening to the Prospect Podcast. After a few weeks off during the holidays, we're back. Not going to be the longest podcast today as I kind of shake some of the rust off, but I want to talk about a phenomenon that happens right around this time for the next month during every draft season, that we're two weeks away from the Reese Senior Bowl, and their executive director, Jim Nagy, has done an outstanding job assembling this roster. Just last night, Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert announced, or it was announced that Justin Herbert accepted his invite. So from the quarterback spot down throughout the entire roster, which will be split into North and South teams, it looks like one of the best groups that they've had down there in Mobile in a while. And Phil Savage did an outstanding job in the years leading up to Jim Nagy becoming the executive director. And really, Phil Savage took it from a all-star game that certainly scouts and teams were attending to really a mainstream event, and certainly NFL Network and ESPN covering some of the practices and then obviously airing the game um, has helped with that as well. Been very accommodating to the media. More and more media members are down there every year. It's actually a really fun event, kind of a smaller city um, that is great for networking. It's great for scouting. You can sit among NFL GMs and scouting staffs. um, And the three days of practice, actually, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, are more important than the actual game, that there's a lot of one-on-ones that teams and general managers and draft analysts like to see um, unique ones that you don't get to see throughout the season and just see how these quarterbacks fare in an unfamiliar environment with new wide receivers that they haven't thrown to for multiple seasons. But beyond the Senior Bowl, and is kind of related to the Senior Bowl, a draft season phenomenon that happens every year, in January and all the way through almost the end of February, these underclassmen who declare right away whether their team makes a bowl game or not, they kind of are forgotten prospects until the combine. That for the next week to almost month and a half, everything that you hear draft-wise is going to be about quarterbacks and about everyone participating at the Reese Senior Bowl. 
And there are a lot of prospects to me that, I mean, I'm not going to list all of them, but there's just two guys that I watched this week that went back and restudied that I think are going to be forgotten until they're at the combine because they are younger. They're both coming out as juniors. And, well, actually, the one of the guys is a redshirt sophomore, and the other's a junior, and they declared early. They don't have the ability to play in the Senior Bowl, obviously. Um, and until they're at the Combine, we're going to kind of forget about them. The first player I want to discuss is Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray. Watching him during the season, and, and this is kind of the it's kind of a secondary phenomenon that when you're watching someone throughout the season, you certainly make observations, you write down notes, maybe grade him a little bit um, throughout the year, and which obviously as games continue, the the that grade fluctuates quite a bit. Watching him during the season, I certainly noticed the athleticism right away, but without a lot of coverage production, and that's what I've said on radio spots, I've written about him, um, I was a little bit concerned with him and that when it comes to any defensive player or offensive player, everything that I'm doing now in terms of how I'm grading is really weighted toward the passing game. That if you're a great defensive tackle, but you can't really rush the passer, you're great against the run. If you're a wide receiver that can't really stretch the field, if you're in Kenneth Murray's case, a linebacker that hasn't made a lot of plays in coverage, your grade is just going to be a little bit lower because you're going to be entering a league that prioritizes the pass and that the best linebackers in the NFL are not these two-down run stoppers anymore. They are the three-down guys that make plays in coverage. The Luke Keekley is kind of the still the prototype to be that, yes, he's going to get tackles behind the line of scrimmage, and be just a menace for the opposition's run game, but his biggest impact comes in coverage. His ability in zone, read route concepts, read the quarterback's eyes, use his athleticism and his ball skills to make plays on the football, cover tight ends and man-to-man, running backs. And I didn't see that from Kenneth Murray, but going back to rewatch and stacking him next to other linebackers in this class, um, made me realize that he is someone that was not really used as a coverage linebacker too often. And I I don't know, I, I think just watching him the second time around in succession, just continuing to watch four or five games and kind of like I said, watching other linebackers before and after him, I realized that I liked him a lot more. And his movement skills, I think Isaiah Simmons is the most explosive linebacker in this class. And I've I've actually, I just said linebacker, but I've actually moved him to my safety rankings because I think in 2018, Clemson used him more as a linebacker. And this year, whether it was just personnel changes, whatever, used Isaiah Simmons, especially late in the season, have used him more as a traditional safety. Certainly on some plays, he's that last defender in the box, but... Watching the linebackers, I was saying, man, I don't think Isaiah Simmons is, is a linebacker. But anyway, Isaiah Simmons is the most athletic in terms of linear explosion and probably overall range. But Kenneth Murray's 
twitchiness and change of direction ability to me is right up there, if not even better than Isaiah Simmons. That Simmons is six foot four, two twenty five. Murray's around that size, maybe a little smaller. Um, but his click and close, he just plants and drives on the football. I think his instincts are very good. He reads his keys in a hurry. When he sees that pulling guard, he is out to the outside, beating that running back to the edge, has extreme acceleration after planting his foot in the ground. His range as a tackler against the run is right up there with Isaiah Simmons. He has very long arms. He's absolutely dynamic as a blitzer, just like Simmons. But so often, and it must have just been because of the defensive philosophy, and Oklahoma got a new offense or a new defensive coordinator this season in Alex Grinch. Um, but he was really used as just like a spy slash occasional edge rusher that if there wasn't a running back in pass protection and there wasn't a running quarterback, that Murray could seemingly have the freedom to rush the passer if he wanted to. Just not a lot of plays in coverage. Did have four pass breakups, which is not a terrible number, to the season before. 2018, 155 tackles, just over 100 this year, but 12 and a half tackles for loss in 2018, 17 this season. I did not hate Devin Bush as a prospect coming out of Michigan. I thought he was overrated a little bit. And the combine that he had running in the four fours, having the three, the great three cone, the vertical pushed him a little bit too high. And I think the Steelers probably gave up a little bit too much for him. And he made some splash plays early in his rookie season, but ultimately was a great run defender and could not make plays in coverage. If he can go as early as he did and, geez, the Steelers moved way up in the first round to pick a linebacker in Devin Bush. I don't see any reason why Kenneth Murray can't go as high, if not higher. I think his athletic profile is going to be very similar to Devin Bush, and he doesn't have the size concerns. That Devin Bush was, I believe, right at six foot or just under 230-ish, 240 pounds, um, which is where you want your linebackers to stay, between 225 and 235. Um, and obviously that kind of fluctuates depending on their height. But Kenneth Murray is going to be just longer and bigger than Devin Bush was and Devin White, who went inside the top 10. So he's someone that I think a defensive coordinator is going to see the movement skills, see the instincts, see the explosiveness as a blitzer and just on outside runs. I think he defeats blocks decently well. That's used to be an area that I would really watch with linebackers, and I think it's still important. But with the game being so much more spread out than it used to be, those run and chase linebackers are almost more valuable or they've kind of pushed down the ability to defeat blocks at the point of attack. If you can just beat the blocker to the football, that matters more and your range is more important than if you're sifting through the trash on those inside runs. So I think Kenneth Murray... Defensive coordinator is going to see him and say, wow, with these movement skills and that range, it might take one training camp and a preseason. It could take a full year, 
but ultimately down the road, he has the movement skills to be an awesome coverage linebacker. So that's the projection, and it's kind of a scary projection because if you draft him in the first round, he's going to be your starting one of your two starting linebackers, um, and you don't want him to get victimized as a rookie. But his movement ability and the tackle radius that is going to come from his size and his long arms will certainly translate to him being able to knock down passes in coverage. But everything else about his game looks like a modern-day, productive, 120-tackle, double-digit tackle for loss, couple of sacks, linebacker. I just love his high motor, um, will run down plays from the backside, looks kind of like a big safety, and that's what you want. We've kind of come to that conclusion over the past three to five years in the NFL that you want your linebackers to almost look like big safeties. And that's Kenneth Murray. So don't forget about him. Troy Dye is going to be at the com- or at the Senior Bowl. I really like his game almost for the opposite reasons. He's not as athletic as Kenneth Murray, um, but very tall, very long, and very adept in coverage. Um, but he will kind of take center stage, I think, in this linebacker class because of this being in Mobile, his experience, he's a senior, and the coverage goes. But Kenneth Murray, if you're believing in your linebackers coach and your defensive coordinator and your philosophy as a team, Kenneth Murray might be the guy. And, and, and I do think that he will ultimately go probably in the middle of the first round because I think he's going to test through the roof and there are going to be teams that are going to say, listen, we cannot pass up this rare athleticism. So do not forget about Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray. On the other side of the football, someone who's definitely not being talked about really at all. And Murray had been because he was in the college football playoff. You know, the job that Joe Burrow did on his Oklahoma Sooners was was pretty epic and was just outstanding um, by LSU. But so he's kind of been talked about because he was probably the best player, him and Parnell Motley, the corner, the two best players on that Oklahoma defense, Neville Gallimore as well, the defensive interior defensive lineman. But this guy on the offensive side, Team did not make a bowl game, left early, only two years of production, redshirt sophomore, running back Anthony McFarlane from Maryland. And I was going through the running back class again to kind of regrade, recalibrate um, the grades for a lot of these top guys because we had Travis Etienne, we had J.K. Dobbins in the college football semifinal in that awesome game between Ohio State and Clemson. Jonathan Taylor played in the Rose Bowl, went over 2,000 yards for the second straight year. Um, It's a really good running back class. I mean, it's not a class that I would say has a Zeke Elliott or even a Christian McCaffrey or a Todd Gurley in terms of just high, high level prospects. But, and, and I don't think that there'll be more than one running back in the first round, if any. But second to third round, and actually I think second round really, is where we're going to see a handful of running backs go off the board and just right away be legitimate feature backs for their team. You can define feature back however you want. I kind of view it as 13 to maybe 20 touches a game, um, maybe a little bit more than that. But I think with those three that I just mentioned, you can throw in DeAndre Swift from Georgia as well. I think those are going to be the first four off the board. But, man, going back and watching Anthony McFarland, I remember that Ohio State game where Maryland almost beat Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins in 2018 where McFarland was 
to me, the best player on the field. Better than Dwayne Haskins in that game. Better than Terry McLaurin. McFarland was an absolute problem against the Buckeyes in 2018. He averaged just under 8 yards per carry in 2018. His numbers dipped below 6 yards per carry in 2019, but he had 8 touchdowns, improved his touchdown total behind what I thought was a much worse um, Maryland offensive line. They lost Derwin Gray um, to the NFL, who's now on the Steelers. But his, and I was just talking about Kenneth Murray's movement skills, Anthony McFarlane is up there with those three or four running backs that I just mentioned that are going to be the first three or four off the board in terms of how explosive he is, his instant acceleration. And and I say instant acceleration, and it might sound like an oxymoron, but sometimes it takes running backs three, four, five steps as they're accelerating, it's kind of just picture yourself driving a car and slowly pressing on the gas pedal. And then three seconds later, you're going 40 miles an hour. But Anthony McFarland, instant, the second he touches the football, he kind of, going back to Kenneth Murray, clicks and is in fifth gear right away. I think his vision is really good. I think he can be a multi-cut running back, that he's not just a slasher that will press the hole on his own run and make one cut back and then that's it. Um, but he's uh, but he's awesome finding that cutback lane. He's always looking for it. And then once he hits it, if he sees a linebacker, he'll jump cut to the outside or, or back to the inside, um, make him miss, and then accelerate down the field. The past two years, his two longest runs, he had an 80-yarder last year, 81-yard run this year. He has that home run hitting ability. The only real negative I see with him is that he's listed at like 5'9 and under 200 pounds. And there's, I'm not going to say it's it's a concrete way to, to prove that a running back is or is not going to be good, but there's kind of a 200-pound threshold that I think teams and a lot of draft analysts have realized that you want to see your running back at least hit at the combine. Um, and again, this I'm talking about Anthony McFarland because He's a redshirt sophomore. Maryland didn't play in the bowl game, and he declared like right away, and he's not going to be on the radar until the senior bowl. I tweeted it the other day about both of these uh, players, Murray and Anthony McFarland, that right now Anthony McFarland is easily a top five running back for me. And I do kind of prioritize um, or have a preference for the quote-unquote airbacks. That's kind of using a term from Pete Prisco. Um, just those smaller, twitchier, make-you-miss running backs, I think they last longer in the NFL. I think they're more effective than the kind of the old-school bruisers. They're probably less likely, despite being smaller, to get injured because they're not seeking out contact. They're not taking a lot of big, huge hits. And they can hit 80-yard plays, which that's enormously valuable to an offense. Pretty good hands out of the backfield. Um I just loved, I mean, I said that he's not just a cutback runner that can make one cut and then he's kind of limited, but he hits that cut. I mean, I, I, I'm i saying it again because I can't stress it enough how well he would find the cutback lane and then just foot in the ground and then just pure explosion. I think he's going to test very well at the combine in those explosion drills. And truly, I would be surprised 
if his three cone is not well under that seven second threshold that you want to see for pretty much every prospect, but definitely a smaller running back. So Anthony McFarlane from Maryland, I think if he has a just ridiculous combine, I don't think the second or the third round is totally out of the question, but he'll probably, because of the depth of the running back class, go on the third day. And I'm not going to slap a comparison on him now because if you followed me for any amount of time on Twitter, you know that I, I do take the comparisons seriously. I have a lot. I mean, I have fun with them, but I, I don't just throw out comparisons based on height and weight or school. I, I really try to put a lot of time into my comparisons um, for draft prospects. I just think it's very, it's kind of underrated in terms of how valuable it is because it gives readers, fans, um, the idea of the type of player that their team just drafted. Um, so I'm not going to throw a comparison, but if like in a, terms of being concrete with it, but Philip Lindsay kind of comes to mind. I think he might even be more explosive than Philip Lindsay, just a better natural runner to find the lanes, see blocks before they really happen and cut off them. Um, yeah, there are, I mean, on his film this year, there are a lot of runs that get stuffed for no gain, but not, a lot of them were because he just missed a gaping hole. Just Maryland couldn't block anybody. The offense, after the first couple of games, kind of went into the gutter, to be honest. Um, but Anthony McFarlane and Kenneth Murray, make sure that you do not forget about these prospects. Certainly enjoy the Senior Bowl. I'll be down there in Mobile with Ryan Wilson and Pete Prisco um, of CBS Sports. But do not forget about those two prospects. There's a lot of guys. KJ Hamler from Penn State, another electric mover. Um, a lot of players who have already declared that are underclassmen and in the case of Anthony McFarland, didn't even play in a bowl game. So we didn't see them um, play in the last couple of weeks and they declared very early on in the draft process. And those are guys that I think, I don't think Anthony McFarland obviously could push for the first round but that I think are not only going to go earlier than we may think after the next couple of weeks when it's Senior Bowl-centric with the prospects, but that are also going to be really good NFL players um, over the next couple of seasons. All right, that'll do it today. I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast.